0: seasonal and local supply of flowers and foliage this podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com the free nationwide online directory to florists shops and studios who design with american grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms it's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers and thank you to our lead sponsor florist review magazine I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at DeborahPrinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 391. Our first sponsor thanks today goes to Longfield Gardens. Longfield provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, is taking a little bit of a break today. So far, we've made it from Alabama to Connecticut with some delightful and insightful conversations with Slow Flowers members in those states. I had scheduled this week's focus to be about Delaware, but guess what? It is one of only two states where there are no Slow Flowers members. I've been seeking for someone in the Delaware floral scene, farmer or florist, to talk with and record a short spotlight including searching the hashtag Delaware Grown Flowers on social media. I've even messaged and emailed a few folks to invite their participation. But crickets, sadly, I know they're out there. So if you can help, reach out and connect me with Delaware's local flower peeps. P.S. <laughs> While Delaware is the second smallest state in the U.S., it follows Rhode Island, which is the smallest state in the U.S. And I'm so thankful that we have a vibrant Slow Flowers community there. So you'll be hearing from someone from Rhode Island later this year. Today, what I do have for you is a wonderful conversation recorded last week during the Northwest Flower and Garden Festival in Seattle. Lisa Mason Ziegler is a past guest of this podcast. I remember first meeting her in person in 2014 at the Garden Writers Annual Conference in Indianapolis, soon after Cool Flowers, her book, was published. Lisa and I shared the same publisher, St. Lynn's Press, which also produced The 50 Mile Bouquet and Slow Flowers. So I had been asked to provide a blurb for her new book. When we finally met in person, I knew I wanted to invite Lisa to join me on the podcast, and I simply can't believe that was nearly five years ago. I will share links to that original episode number 159 in today's show notes, so you can go back and have a listen to that conversation. A lot has happened in the time that's followed, including the explosion of the slow flowers community, heightened interest in flower farming in general, both in the U.S. and in other countries that have seen outsourcing of their floral production. And I believe an aesthetic shift in floral design based on a more garden-influenced approach that relies on uncommon couture blooms that large production growers aren't able to raise efficiently, opening the door for micro and medium farms to capture that market. Lisa has been at the forefront of the efforts to disseminate accurate flower farming education, setting the bar for best practices, along with many of her fellow members in the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. With the launch of her flower farming online course last fall, she's been able to reach an even larger audience of students, spreading knowledge and encouragement through a new medium designed to fit lifestyles and budgets that don't always allow for in-person training. She also last year released a new book with a new publisher called Vegetables Love Flowers, published by Cool Springs Press. I invited Lisa to meet me for breakfast last week. We had good conversation and grabbed a quiet moment to record this interview. I know you'll enjoy it. Here's a bit more about today's guest, excerpted from the Gardener's Workshop website. What began as a small cut flower farm producing for local markets has grown into so much more. Lisa has become a leader in the cut flower growing industry, an author, accomplished speaker, and the owner of The Gardener's Workshop. It all began in 1998 because Lisa wanted to work in her garden as her career. At first, she sold her cut flowers to local florists and at Colonial Williamsburg. The business soon grew to include florists throughout the Hampton Roads region, supermarkets, farmer's markets, a members-only on-farm market, and a bouquet drop-off subscription service. During this time, Lisa began giving programs to garden clubs, master gardener groups, commercial growers, and other other organizations. What became apparent is that people were eager for her simplified organic gardening methods, and her greatest gift is sharing them. The next natural step came when Lisa self-published The Easy Cut Flower Garden in 2011, a 100-page guide on how to grow and harvest a small home cutting garden. Her program travels began to spread from Texas to Oregon to New York City, and she went on to become published with Cool Flowers in 2014 and Vegetables Love Flowers in 2018. Lisa's farm, known as the Gardener's Workshop, is still a small market flower farm and an online garden shop. The online store sells the same seeds, tools, supplies, and seed-starting equipment that Lisa uses, as well as signed copies of her books. Lisa's simple, instructive, and delightful gardening messages are reaching far beyond any expectation she ever had lisa now offers four online courses that range in length and subject her signature course flower farming school online will return this fall it is a six-week self-paced course designed to guide you to become a successful cut flower farmer even if you live in the midst of a city or have no previous farming experience that course costs 495 dollars I'll have the link for more details in today's show notes so you can sign up to be notified when the course is released again. As Lisa says, if you have dreamed of becoming a flower farmer but think it's impossible, or if you are already growing but feeling overwhelmed or discouraged, I designed this course for you. I know exactly how you feel because I've been there. You'll also want to check out today's show notes for episode 391 to see photos of Lisa, her cut flower farm, her flowers, and her books. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to have a return guest, Lisa Ziegler of the Gardener's Workshop. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Deborah. Glad to be here. Well, we're here together in Seattle. You're presenting today and tomorrow at the Northwest Flower and Garden Festival. And um, I knew you were coming and I was I it bugged me that I didn't get you on the podcast last year when your new book came out. Well, now it's a, a one-year-old book, or almost, right? Yes. So this is our chance to do it. Um, Lisa is, a, you may know her, she was a podcast guest in 2014, and uh, we talked about Cool Flowers, which was a brand new book then. And uh, now you have, um, I don't know, broadened the subject by writing flower, vegetables love flowers, Correct. right? Okay. So give us a snapshot of this book. And what, what is, is it for gardeners? Is it for flower farmers? What who Who needs this book? Sure. So Vegetables Love Flowers is not
1: really about vegetables. It's about How Flowers Benefit Vegetables. And in a nutshell, it's the company that they keep. It invites pollinators and beneficial insects. And there's just no better way to have a constant presence of flowers in the vegetable patch than with a cutting garden. So it's really a book about why to grow flowers, which flowers to grow, how to tend a cutting garden. And then a big part of the book is how I tend it all organically. So um, it's really the heart of what I do. I love this book. Um, It really tells my journey of falling into becoming a farmer and how I kind of went from knowing nothing to um, going full (laughs) speed ahead with the help of my my sweet husband that kind of tended me a little bit. And um, it's really a sweet book. And um,
0: yeah, it's a lot of fun. So it's really about a cutting garden. It's so cool. And and, but the having the word vegetable in the title was brilliant, because you're kind of um, overcoming any of those objections of these hardcore purist food growers, right? Oh, my goodness. So
1: very, very true. Because I say this in my courses, or in when I'm speaking that So many vegetable gardeners are thinking to themselves as I start to speak, I said, I know what you're thinking right now. Why would I give up one square foot of my vegetable patch to flowers? And Mm -hmm. I'm here to tell you that if you're not growing 20% flowers in your vegetable patch, you are struggling to grow organically and you'll never achieve it because nature's powerful and it's wonderful, but they have to have a reason to come into your garden and flowers Mm -hmm. are the root of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: When I first figured out who you were, actually, before we even met, I want to say it was about maybe 2012. I had I had written the 50-mile bouquet, was probably working on Slow Flowers, and I somehow came across this little self-published book about cutting garden design by this woman named Lisa Ziegler, and I ordered it. I don't even know if you remember I do, that. I do, I do. And um, I was just fascinated with the information and how accessible it was and how you kind of deconstructed a simple cutting garden for people and said basically the message was here's how I do it and and I'm selling flowers at a farmer's market but you can do this in your own garden and that little book was so powerful and in, in it really it, it influenced me.
1: Yeah, it was um, that book just went out of print. Actually, we've sold that; we're down to the last fifty, I think. Um, <laughs> and I just had chosen not to reprint it at this point. It was a self-published guide, but
0: you probably we have sold, incorporated that into everything else. We sold
1: thousands of those books, wow. and yes, vegetables love flowers. Really includes a lot of that information now.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is like that time when you were growing? Um, well, first of all, you do have like the most iconic. Garden shed on the cover of that book, and I think I originally saw that in Country Gardens magazine. Yes, um, you you weren't trying to grow a hundred varieties of, of everything. You had like I think just sort of the the most. Beloved cut flowers, the yes. zinnias, the sunflowers. What else did you have? The Rebecca, maybe? Um, not Rebecca, And the easy cut flower garden, the yeah. basics sunflowers, zinnias, coxcombs,
1: some plumes, celosias, and lemon basil. Wow. I mean, the top sellers, the ones that people want week after week, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm all about the simple garden mm-hmm.
0: flowers. Mm-hmm. And you kind of mapped it out and showed people how to plant. Right. Uh, proportionately like in a 10 by 20 foot bed or something three by 10 actually oh my gosh
1: for two bunches a week yeah okay and most of that information is covered in vegetables love flowers which also includes um seasonal diagrams in the back to help you warp through how to succession plant whether you have a three by 10 bed or four three by 20 foot beds well that's kind of where i was
0: going with it like you're mapping this out for people right okay so um if somebody has their beloved gar- food production patch and they have all their favorites maybe just growing for their family um, how do you integrate uh, flowers into that do you keep one section for flowers or do you alternate rows or go around the border or like what do you what's perfect situation for people? sure so I mean in most gardens a home garden um, place and I
1: recommend that there be a 20% of your square footage to be in flowers. What that means is that 10% of it is planted and blooming today, Mm -hmm. and the other 10% you're planting for the next season of bloom. So you have that constant flow of flowers. Because we not only want to invite pollinators and beneficial insects into our garden, we want them to stay there. Mm. We don't want them to have to
0: leave. So you're trying so to create a, the, whatever will attract them and, and, and or be habitat for them, right? Sure. Well, everything works together to yeah. be habitat. And the other thing that um,
1: I find that a lot of, hold a lot of people back from kind of entering this concept is they feel like they have to grow certain flowers to attract pollinators and beneficial insects and yes it's true that there are specific varieties of flowers that attract a specific species of bee but in general you just have to plant flowers you have to have constant blooms that's why you have two planting areas of whatever size and kind of staggering it and, yeah. and succession planting mm-hmm. and then the most important thing is we use no pesticides not even organic pesticides because it does affect them and it's possible um, we grow perfect blossoms um, and so you don't really have to really uh use any kind of products.
0: What's so fascinating in a way is you're teaching people what was a common practice a hundred years ago and they just, we've lost that, that thread. It's so true. So how did you... How did you, uh, I guess, what came first for you, vegetables or flowers? Vegetables.
1: Okay. A man came, actually. My husband, Steve, (laughs) came with this great piece of land and big vegetable gardens, which I happily took the reign. He lived there as a single guy. His extended family, um, it was his grandparents' homestead, had these big vegetable patches. I naively... Innocently said, "Sure, I'll take over the family vegetable gardens, which were two quarter-acre gardens. They were big. Wow! But you were working full time too, and I was working full time and um, happily took them over. Then I read Lynn Bazinski's book, The Flower Farmer, and knew that I had found my dream and planted, started planting some flowers, and it just as as so many flower farmers, I was an overnight success in my Mm -hmm. area." And just, just because you were you were doing something that people hadn't seen much exactly. of. Exactly. I was quite the novelty. I mean, when I say I was in the newspaper like every other week, was I mean, it was amazing how much coverage I got. But anyway, I um, was so successful that I got overwhelmed between vegetables and flowers, and I just threw up my hands and said, I can no longer treat for a specific insect. We used to have a terrible thrip problem, mm-hmm. and I just didn't have the time. I thought, you know what? Y'all can fight it out. And I'll take what's left. And the next two years, I just watched nature be restored in my garden, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. realized that problems were kind of going
0: away. Wow. Had you, when you took over that garden, was it being far? Uh, were the was 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 the food section being grown? Oh, the yeah. produce grown organically. Yes. So
1: you're. Um, yes. Okay. So his
0: his family is um, really big.
1: Um, And growing those vegetables that they store up, eat Mm. fresh, you know, corn and tomatoes Mm -hmm. and peas and beans. And um, I just today posted a blog called Grandma's Garden. I
0: saw that. And that's
1: about my mother-in-law, and she's such a gift. And it's about this whole vegetable growing Ritual ritual yeah. and how t- I mean it's just such a beloved tradition, and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so vegetables have always been a very mm-hmm. big part of their yeah storing up and saving everything,
0: but then you started incorporating flowers and then deciding to let all everybody duke it out with mother nature, and it seems like that developed or affirmed your philosophy of organic that growth. started it yeah. really,
1: and you know, and then you add in that I was also a big dog person, and I'm thinking, gosh. My dogs are rolling in it, walking in it, picking their own tomatoes, digging their own turnips. What in the world, you know? And so. You don't it, want to have
0: any chemical right, product in garden. I didn't the garden.
1: ever want to have to go, oh, we just treated there, you know? Mm. Or, and I wanted, you know, nieces and nephews, because I have no children, to be able to run free and roll in the grass. And mm-hmm. so it just really opened it up. And then I realized, guess what? It's more abundant. It is far easier. It's less expensive. It seems so simple that people miss it it really to give nature a hand instead of fussing that's the way i look at it when we want things
0: quicker bigger better we're fussing with mother nature and um she's got it you know so how is the book organized i want to maybe show some interior pages of vegetables love flowers so people can kind of get a sense of it if you haven't already seen it um and links to how to how to order. Sure. The book. So
1: the introduction really tells my story of how I fell into this organic gardening world, and then it goes into why I really felt drawn that I had to qualify why people need to grow flowers. It is not about having beautiful flowers on your table, which you and I understand. That's like the need for that. That's sort of the side benefit. Exactly. That's yeah. like the bonus on the mm-hmm. back end. So um, I had to share why it's so significant to grow flowers, and then how to do it, because this is the story I hear. Yeah, I planted marigolds once in the corner of my garden. Shoot, they were gone in four weeks, and I didn't see any difference. I mean, how many times have I heard that? Well, first off, you just have to try
0: harder than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and One packet of the seeds is not going to exactly, get you success. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. And so a cutting garden is really the perfect match that... By harvesting the flowers each week alongside harvesting your vegetables, keeps the patch fresh and constantly producing more blooms Mm. for all these good guys that Mm. we want. And for anyone that's never grown a cutting garden, you just don't know what a superstar you're about to become. Uh, Men, women, children, old, young, everybody just... Their heart melts when they realize the bouquet of flowers
0: you're giving them. You grew in your garden. Right. You know, Um, what I think you're alluding to is this whole um, category of the cut and come again flowers. Is that right? Yeah. So I highlight um, two groups of flowers, which not everyone
1: is aware of. My previous book, Cool Flowers, really highlights those cool season annuals. Well, I felt like I really needed to have to include them in vegetables, love mm-hmm. flowers to complete this picture. So we highlight two groups, warm season tender annuals, those really great growers, you know, the zinnias and sunflowers you can just, practically direct soil. Yeah, 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 and so the warm season and then we do the cool season also and they just kind of create the whole package yeah. and it's the ones that are very productive. Um, that also just the pollinators really appreciate. And even, I have a whole page on this in the book, even though we grow pollenless sunflowers, they still produce nectar.
0: I had oh, a long conversation
1: um, with and uh, in, in researched that, and mm-hmm. John Dole of NC State, as well as the hybridizer of ProCuts that I grow and love so much, said, no pollen, but lots of nectar. So the ben- insects still benefit from those. Because not sunflowers that do produce pollen are just
0: not good cut flowers uh-huh. they don't last so you're like, a you have these tiers of criteria yes. and so absolutely yes. um, do you find that having a cutting garden that is attracting nectar pollinators who want the nectar source um, and other insects is it also I how do I ask this question correctly? I know that diseases is a big issue, and that's why people are using fungicides and that sort of thing. Is does the insect pop presence help somehow with disease-prone plants, or do you, do you know where I'm getting at? What yeah, about? I do,
1: and that's a really great question. And part of this book is about, I guess, I would say the back quarter, mm-hmm. the last two chapters, I think, are about my or practices. Okay, because. The basis of organic gardening is not using products to fix problems, it's preventing problems. And so often diseases and problems are because we're growing things out of their environment Mm -hmm. and so you either figure out a way to create what they need or we bypass them, Or just figure out a different thing to grow. You know, there's far too many wonderful plants, vegetables and flowers, Mm -hmm. to grow that aren't needy, that aren't, don't need to be fussed over. And that's what you find about. I can remember years ago when I met a good friend, um, Amy Hicks of Amy's Garden, and they're vegetable and flower growers. They're certified organic. And I can remember the first time I met her, I heard her talking to a group of people about squash and the squash bug that is just such a problem all over the country, I believe. And she talked about, well, we just don't even grow these varieties that really invite the bug in. We grow these varieties that don't seem to. And I thought, now, isn't that smart? Mm -hmm. But that's the basic bottom line. There's just, there are certain plants... Flowers that I just would not grow because they're bug magnets. Yeah, so we don't find the bad bug magnets. But yes, and diseased too. Mm -hmm. It's like you just have to really create the conditions in Mm -hmm. your garden Mm -hmm. to grow certain things, and I think that's half the battle.
0: Yeah, you know. I think that's really interesting, and of course, you're here at the a major garden show, and your audiences are many of them are coming. Because they're vegetable growers and they want to see what you have to say, but they're home gardeners, right? So um, that just having that audience, in addition to your other major audience, which is flower farmers, is really exciting. But I think that Cool Flowers was pretty much you said written for the home gardener.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, so as you know, as a book writer, that the the publishers want the broadest audience. For your book, so to pigeonhole yourself into a flower farming track Mm -hmm. um, really knocks out a lot of the population. So, Cool Flowers was written for the home gardener, and then I followed that up with an online course called Cool Flowers Beyond the Book for Flower Farming, where I take the contents of Cool Flowers and help flower farmers apply that in a larger way and in, as a big cutting garden, um, and it makes a big difference, but I really, the message of vegetables love flowers is also for the home gardener, yeah. but is so applicable to every farmer, yeah. um, in the practices and what flowers to grow. And, um, we've really had a, people are, um, they didn't know how to get a cutting garden going in their vegetable patch. You know, there's mm-hmm. these closet people that maybe, especially the flower lover in the family has always wanted a cutting garden, but the vegetable grower was like, no way, not in my garden. And yeah. now there's just this huge benefit that they've learned about, about having it in there. So it's really patching gardening relationships within families.
0: Well, I think it's, it's. It, I agree with you. And I think it's so interesting because in the last, five years, and especially as I've been kind of um, building, you know, this whole belief of slow flowers, I meet so many people who get into flower growing uh, as small-scale farmers who, you, who who started with food growing, yes. right? Yes. I mean, that's sort of the crossover that's happening. Yes. It's
1: so true. And it, with me, too. I started out as a vegetable novice gardener yeah. and I soon realized that, you know, flowers did not have to be canned or frozen, <laughs> it was a whole lot more fun, the end result for me, you know. I can remember standing in the kitchen in the early years with like four or five-gallon buckets of tomatoes and, you know, it oh, just... how overwhelming. Uh, well, it was, but I, you know, I mean, it, it was good, Yeah. but the flowers were what became this bright spot for me, and, and then to go full circle, so I went from a full vegetable to a big-time flower farmer um, to now... Um, we've launched back into having mostly cut flowers, but a fairly sizable vegetable patch yeah. um, for our members-only market, as well as our families uh-huh. that work on the farm. And um, so it's kind of gone full circle. It's amazing how much more smarter you get the more mistakes you make.
0: Well, Lisa, your business, the Gardener's Workshop, has has just evolved. It's so in such an inspiring, exciting way. And um, I think about that self-published cutting garden book that I talked that I said I bought um what was that maybe six or seven years ago yeah. and now you've published cool flowers and vegetables love flowers but really your focus is on education now isn't it through it is, online courses
1: it is um we really I really love sharing mm-hmm. what I do and empowering other people mm-hmm. and we do it in a lot of different ways yeah, Our, talk about the whole package sure so the gardenersworkshop.com is packed We have tons of little videos where you can go to see lots of seed starting with soil blocking, Um, just a lot of different videos. I'm just so fortunate to have a sister and a niece that work with me. One's a techie, and my sister is the video graphics creative part of it all, and Kelly's the one that gets it on the website. And As they call me, I'm the mouthpiece (laughs) (laughs) affectionately most of the time.
0: You're you're the the talent.
1: (laughs) And so it's just allowed us to really create this um, diverse website where you can get little bits and pieces um, through my blog or through the video clips. Which a lot of
0: it is just free, right? Yes, and a
1: lot of that is just free content. And then now we've gone on to produce online courses where we bring it all together um, and take you from beginning to end. We've just launched um, two home garden but they can apply to the flower farmer seed starting made easy which is teaching people how to sow seeds in the garden and how to start indoors using soil blocking and then also the the easy cut flower garden which is basically the replacement oh, of the book you're doing those as online courses those are online courses they're 20 bucks okay so they're like an hour and a half each broken into little pits and pieces and what i think i want the real message that people need to hear is not everybody's familiar with online courses. Mm-hmm. It is just like buying a book, but instead of having that book to pick up, you pick up a device, your computer, your tablet, your phone and log into your library and it's right there. You can watch the videos over and over and refer back
0: to them. Well, when you think about it, $20 is probably what you would spend on a book. Yes. So it's it's in that same Price range, too, right? Right,
1: and so those we call just classes. So that's Mm -hmm. like an hour and a half of content. Um, And then last fall, we launched something that just really proved to be an overwhelming success was Flower Farming School Online, which is actually a six-week course. Yes. And um, it's like a couple-hour teaching a week broken up into little segments Mm -hmm. from... A to Z. It just covers
0: everything and we'll be offering that again this fall and who was the person who took that course? I remember when we spoke right when you were had announced it and you had a very specific window last maybe October for people to to right. sign up. So we signed
1: people up. Boy, it just was last fall. So I believe a registration opened the 1st of October, and registration's only open for 10 days. And okay. there's a lot of reasons that you understand after you start taking an online course. So we bring everybody into school, and then the course doesn't normally start until November 1st and goes through mid-December. Okay, but it's kind of following a calendar uh, of every week a different topic right yeah. so each monday morning eight o'clock a new class lands in your library and that class is made up of many sessions and um it's just really and then we have once a week a QA time on a um a platform where you can ask questions to me and we can connect back and forth and um and that's it's, only
0: for people who've registered for the, the course exactly. and so they have access to you right with kind of a Great ratio of teacher to student. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: It's it's really pretty amazing mm. because, and people, what you see starting to happen that group is people start supporting each other as well mm-hmm. and answer. There's one person, um, Daniel, that it was in our class, and it was like he was channeling me. He would, someone would ask a question that he, because he's a pretty seasoned grower, mm-hmm. um, because what we found is we had some people that hadn't even grown a flower yet, but we had many three- to five-year growers that just had were overwhelmed in over their head, couldn't quite find their way.
0: They were ready to quit. And um, they kind of just wanted to get a little bit of encouragement and maybe new processes and new approach from you. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so that is a really great thing. Veterans and experienced and newbies. Right. Wow. So, so he he, channeled
1: you by what? By answering questions before I could even get to them. (laughs) And it's like, Daniel, that's exactly what I would have said. So it was just so wonderful. And, um, so you can, on this website, there's an online course page. And I'll tell you the benefit to being signed up to so the Flower Farming course does not open until fall but if you go in and sign up to be notified we send a little special coupon to those people to get a little bit off the registration mm-hmm. so people
0: can go to the gardenersworkshop.com now and sign up for to be notified to be on the yeah. list yeah okay so yeah. We'll, we'll put yeah. those links
1: in um, so yeah the online courses are really new in the gardening world i think but i learned how to make online courses through an online course
0: Well, and I confess to you that I have also taken an online course, how to make an online course, but I have not nearly executed the way you have. (laughs) Well, I mean, having
1: my help, my sister and my niece really make a big difference. But I knew that was the next step. I was asked to do another book last year, but I just felt like no. Next year needs to be the year of online courses. Let's just get this up. And you know, we've created this urban farm in the middle of the city that's beautiful and diverse. And we just have such great filming possibilities. And we're just really excited about bringing mm-hmm. all of that to
0: people. It's so interesting, Lisa, because in the world of being a book author, um, I, my first book that I wrote uh, for in the horticulture world, Not I, I worked on business books before that, but the first one was in 2002. And it seemed like our community of, and you, we met a lot of them at breakfast this morning, everyone's question used to be, what's your next book? What book yeah. are you working on? Like right. the book was the... The measure of success. And yet we know how hard it is to create a book and how um, challenging the publishing world is these days. And I feel like the way to create something that's unique for people in your community is to own it yourself. Yes. And um, you're pioneer in that by self-publishing a book 10 years ago almost. And uh, then you went into conventional publishing and now you're kind of coming back to independent. Yeah. Pu- you're producing without the print Version, right. Right. Is right. that what it is?
1: Yeah. And it is very interesting. I am a very um, charismatic speaker and I feel like that my message is so much stronger through video or in person. Right. And hearing you is different yeah, than reading you. Yeah. That's and that's a good point. Then you either love or don't love my accent.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I
1: know. I get a lot of I love it. <laughs> and um, I think that's part of it. But I, I'm really um, a very, I enjoy Speaking. Yeah. And it's almost like my hands
0: are tied on paper. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So pivoting to this now, you have a number of webinar products from the little mini seed starting course to the six week. Right series that's really more
1: robust, right? Yes, yes, and again, the thing that people, because this is the number one question we get is why I'm going to say it again, once you buy it, it's just like a book, it's yours for life, you can watch it over and over and over again. Put it on
0: the shelf and refer to it. Yeah, Yeah. and you know,
1: because it's so funny, people say, can I watch it more than once? It's like, you can watch it once a day, (laughs) you know,
0: so, but it's just so
1: new, Mm -hmm. it's just such a new platform and we're just really looking forward to bringing more of those types of products from the farm. Um, you know, I am an urban farm and we have now made a compound of my farm. We've, we've, created a, a native border all the way around the property to give us evergreen backdrop mm. and just trying to mm. be able to create privacy as well as backdrop for videoing and it's like uh, what is what is beyond those evergreen shrubs houses okay houses I am totally surrounded by 200,000 and one side of my farm has always been a horse boarding farm mm-hmm. it now has 90 houses on oh, it in the last two years so subdivisions and that yes sort of thing. and so I have no problem with my neighbors But I just don't want to look at their houses after used to seeing pasture and horses Mm. and wildlife. I mean, we just lost 200-year-old hedgerows full of flora and wildlife anyway. So that's a whole nother. How um, far are
0: you from, like, what's the biggest city you're
1: near? Well, I'm in Newport News. Williamsburg is about 25 minutes away in Virginia. And Virginia Beach is about 45. I'm about Mm. dead in the middle between the two of them. So So people
0: who live where you are are going to commute in all those directions as...
1: Yeah, we're a pretty big town. I and mean, we have
0: 200,000 people, mm-hmm. and we
1: have a couple of huge employers in town. And, yeah, it's um, only going to And get we're more. surrounded by college of course. We have Christopher Newport University and William and & Mary, and so we, we're a big college You're town just going to keep
0: getting more dense, then.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, you also mentioned that you're going to have um, more video at the farm just to bring uh, people to your farm.
1: Yeah, so... I probably shouldn't even say anything because my sister says I'm famous for announcing things and forcing us to do it. Oh, okay. So, But that's all right. No, no. (laughs) This will get me. So we've had um, a camera system installed on the farm for security. Mm -hmm. Um, We have such a big piece of property in the city, and it's so enticing for people to come over the fence. Young Mm, people, you know what I mean? Like the park-like effect. So we had security cameras installed. Well, In addition to that, we had a a high-resolution, very special camera installed a six camera and it will have it has three spots on my building to be able to overlook the current garden that's blooming and the plan is that there'll be a live stream of our garden on our website so people can see the garden can see us working or not working and as i'm lisa you can't go out there in your night counter in the i morning, know no. so my <laughs> husband says and um but you know it also just like having company for dinner yeah it helps to keep things tidier and keeps you a little bit more on your toes so we're yeah. really looking forward to sharing that with folks and um what
0: do you gonna call it the lisa cam i don't know <laughs> We'll have, to, we'll have maybe we'll have a contest. What was We name it. Um, but this just is so fascinating that uh, you were saying earlier. Uh, I think at breakfast about the fact that we are absorbing and consuming. I guess is the right word. Content on iPads on on smartphones. It's on our computers. There's so many ways that we want to get instant information and yeah. so that you're trying to be there when people are looking for that information
1: trying it's yeah. hard but because yeah. it's as everything right and life is it seems
0: so easy to the outside world yeah but it's not but we're not going to walk around with a large reference book right but we uh, if it's in our in our phone we're right. going to tap that information right. that's what you're right what you're doing right wow yeah so it's you know just keeping us entertained and yeah. Um, so do you feel like, um, cool flowers is really launched all of this because it, you started speaking all over the country and coaching people and changing practices by, I mean, this wasn't a new thing. You didn't invent cool flowers, nope. but you, you elevated the <laughs> Re-kindled awareness. Rekindled it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It. yeah. I, am. Um... Cool flowers has really
1: added a whole nother season. Because what people may or may not know is I have no greenhouses, no hoop houses. I'm in the middle of the city. I'm not allowed to have them. So I had to kind of find a way to produce flowers early in spring and not have houses. And cool flowers, I mean, I just exploited that group of flowers Mm -hmm. to the max. But in fact... Why would somebody want to take up precious greenhouse or hoop house space when it can really be grown outside? I see. So it's really created shoulder seasons to the outdoor gardener or farmer and... Not only that, we're getting to grow some of the most beloved flowers. I mean, who doesn't want to grow Bells of Ireland? That's the most coveted flower, I think, on the planet.
0: And then you're bringing it to market much earlier because yes. you started yes. it in the, in the fall, right? Often. Or, or often.
1: sometimes early spring, right? Both, yeah.
0: yeah. It depends on where you live. So just, you must have a seed starting area in, indoors somewhere. We do.
1: And so we have a 10 by 10 room in my work building that has racks Those stainless steel racks on wheels like you see in the big box stores with grow lights. And I can support about 13,000 soil blocks in a 10 by 10 room at one time. It is pretty amazing. So you've already, those are already
0: in and going, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what
1: we just, before I came here, this is um, the end of February. Valentine's Day is our very early spring cool flower target plant and Bobo got almost everything planted except for a few which she'll be planting on Monday. Um, So that round is done and then we start our warm season tender annuals in about two weeks we start starting them.
0: Okay wow and then um, you'll I don't know if your travel will continue but you said you've been on the road for 10 days already so uh, maybe go back to to teaching people from the comfort of
1: yeah. <laughs> of your farm. Yeah, so I'll go home, and I'm home for two weeks, and I head back to Louisiana, and um, then I'm home. Then I have some little... East Coast things going on but none of these long tracks. So
0: Lisa, are you selling at farmers markets anymore?
1: No, we only sell through our um members only market. Oh, you mentioned that. That's and, food and flowers? Um yes, we don't really promote the food part okay. of it because it's when it's available, when it gets past grandma's mm-hmm. <laughs> table and through the people that work for us any excess oh, to see. that. So it's really a flower but, mar- It's really a flower market and you have to be a member to be able to come on the farm and Um, buy there and um, then we have three commercial customers that have been my customers since the very beginning Um, and there are only three we I wrote dear john letters to 90 percent of our commercial farmers I mean customers as well as supermarkets we're just no longer producing for the masses we're producing for what I want to be doing and then we have outlets for those flowers to
0: go to right right and and really you're producing for education exactly yeah exactly and you have open ha- farm tours and open gardens um, over the years. Are you going to do any more of those? Well,
1: we don't have one planned for this year okay. because we had a project that's going on on the farm. But typically, once a year in June, we'd have an open farm. And, I, and I'm and i Virginia. We had people drive from Texas and Louisiana. I mean, it's just it, people just that's why this camera. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. people just really want to see what they just don't. They want to see it to believe it and. They come and spend the whole day. I mean, I only have three acres. There's only an acre and a half garden there. Right, but right. they come and spend the whole day and just because I just kind of do a walking tour over and over, and they just keep going around and around. So that's a fun thing. So well, that'll probably come back next yeah, year. Yeah, you've
0: tapped you've tapped that passion and that hunger and and uh, for people who can't travel now they can see you on right. online. So uh thank you so much Lisa. I want to keep talking to you but I know we both have other um commitments this morning. Sure. What else do you want to uh, share before we sign off that I well, didn't ask if, you? to be able to stay up
1: with what's going on, if they just go to our website, thegardenersworkshop.com and sign up for our newsletter, right at the top of the page it says sign up for Lisa's free gardening resources and that'll get you on our list. That way, you'll get all the blogs as soon as they hit, whenever there's a special anything, anything's Mm -hmm. coming out. Um, We send you good content. we we do. We faultly do not send enough sales-related stuff because we have an online store that sells for the home gardener seed packages, but also the same equipment that I use on my farm soil blockers, the hoe that we love, the two hoes. um, So we have a lot of really fun stuff. But sign up for the newsletter. That's the real that you don't miss because I will tell you that I hear people say, I didn't even know about that. Well, if you got our newsletter,
0: yeah. you would know about yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'll be sure to share that link and also a link to your social places so people okay. can find and follow you. And um, maybe uh, grab some photos from Vegetables Love Flowers. If you haven't um, come late to the game like me, I should have promoted this last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we did talk about it, I think, for, for the Johnny's article. But um, anyway, I'm glad we could talk about it now. It's the bright time of year to start saying you know in Seattle at least end of February is official start of spring we're all we t- us hoping too. that we can start putting our sweet peas in the ground very soon so um, this is the time of year to start thinking about it uh, it's been great to do this face to face instead of long distance so thanks, thanks for spending time with me thank you it's my pleasure to be here Thanks so much for joining me today. After spending most of last week inside the Washington State Convention Center where an entirely beautiful and fragrant but somewhat faux spring was in bloom throughout the garden displays, I am so ready for real spring to arrive. I simply can't wait, and I know you're experiencing that urge too. It was my privilege to produce the floral stage at the Northwest Flower and Garden Festival last week, bringing in five Slow Flowers member designers to each teach for one day during the new new featured series called Blooms and Bubbles. I bet you can guess where the bubbles come from. Yep, every day, 30 participants enjoyed a hands-on floral design workshop while sipping a special floral cocktail or a glass of champagne. The series was a huge success and it sold out a few weeks before the festival opened on February 20th. I'm grateful to all of our presenters and I'll share a thank you photo of them in today's show notes. Now, I'm off to the Philadelphia Flower Show next week and I'm looking forward to meeting Pennsylvania flower farmers and floral designers there who will continue to inspire me. Our next thanks goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S. And we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh, mayesh.com. Thanks so much for joining me on this journey, seeking new and inspiring voices, people with passion, heart, commitment and expertise to share with you. I hope today's episode gave you at least one inspiring insight or tip to apply to your floral enterprise. What you gain will be multiplied as you pay it forward and help someone else. Truly, we have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprincing.com. Our final sponsored thank you this week goes to Northwest Green Panels. Based in Madras, Oregon, Northwest Green Panels designs and constructs a wide array of wood-framed greenhouses offering versatility, style, and durability. Their greenhouses are 100% Oregon-made using twin-wall polycarbonate manufactured in Wisconsin, making Northwest Green Panel structures a great value for your backyard. The 8x8-foot modern slant greenhouse has become the essential hub of my cutting garden. Check out photos of my greenhouse in today's show notes or visit northwestnwgreenpanels.com to see more. The Slow Flower Summit is just four months away on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. Wow. We are more than 50% sold out on tickets. Make your way to slowflowersummit.com to learn all about the many opportunities to join us. From flower farm tours and dinner on a flower farm to business and branding presentations to interactive and inspiring design sessions, all created to serve you. Subscribe to Summit news and updates at slowflowerssummit.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 416,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. Thank you all. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brandlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com.